This is The Guardian. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Pop culture is filled with references to neurodivergence. You want to be held back, great? Concentrate, man. Don't be smart, Sherlock. I'm the smart one. I am the smart one. I used to think I was an idiot. Huh? Oh, hey, hey, look, look, look. <gasps> what a strange-looking creature. Looked like another Tigger to me. Oh, no, it's not. I'm the only Tigger. But has it got it right? You're listening to Pop Culture with me, Shante Joseph, for The Guardian. If I had a penny for every single time I read everyone has ADHD these days on social media, I would be able to buy a flat in zone one. Like, of course, our dopamine deprived brains are desperate for the reward system that social media provides. All of this chat about neurodivergence more broadly online is becoming closely linked to pop culture. Literally every week you hear about a new celebrity who has found out they have ADHD or autism and this is quickly followed by a TV commission to go on some kind of personal discovery. And as much as I love how popular the topic is, as a black woman with ADHD, I'm routinely excluded from what pop culture sees as neurodivergent. I want to talk about what neurodivergence is like, especially for people of colour, and if pop culture can ever get its portrayal right. Demi Colleen is an award-winning content creator who was diagnosed with ADHD in her late 20s. But we started by talking about her life pre-diagnosis at school. When I was studying and I was trying really, really hard and maybe not getting the grades that I felt like I should be getting with the amount of effort I was putting in, I'd always get this feedback from teachers that I wasn't trying hard enough, Mm. which always confused me because I knew that I was. They would always write in my reports, I remember this from primary school at least, saying, you know, Demi has potential. And it was in every single report for almost every subject since primary school. And I never really understood what it meant or what they meant by it until I got my diagnosis. And and that was actually like a very key word for it that, you know, your teachers would say that you have potential, you're not reaching your potential. Mm. And that kind of made me really realize that those were the moments that I was struggling the most with it is that I was I was trying um, but there was just a little barrier there that was stopping me from reaching my goals the thing that always made me really sad was that you know this was being reported since primary school and it was never picked up by anybody um, all those years so yeah that's the one thing that my brain always goes to when I think about you know what was actually 
ADHD and I didn't realize it at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I can definitely relate because when I was at school, I, I even remembered this moment so much because I actually love my friend's teacher so much, but she was just so blunt. I remember being in her class and being like, miss, like, I just cannot do French. It doesn't make sense to me. And she was like, it's not that it doesn't make sense to you. It's that you're lazy. And I was thinking, what? Oh my God, am I lazy? And you kind of internalize these ideas that, you know, I'm not working hard enough, even though I was doing, you know, mad hours in the library, not only drinking a lot of energy drinks, but taking a lot of caffeine tablets, but I was still not seeing the results. In fact, I wasn't seeing the results and I was exhausted. As you said, you internalize those things. It, yeah. it, it makes you want to give up. It makes you not want to try. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you don't try then causes the bad grades. It's, it's very sad when those things aren't picked up and you're not offered the help. So I want to talk a bit about the moment you considered that ADHD could be something you have and you sought out a diagnosis for it. What were the events that led up to that moment and what were kind of the triggers? Was it something that you saw online? Was it an incident that you were going through? It was actually, yeah, it was to do with something I'd seen online. So coming back from, you know, the pandemic and everything. So I was still working as a veterinary nurse at the time and I was put on furlough. So I spent a lot of time on TikTok as everybody did during that time. I was starting to like get it on my timeline and I was reading little bits. But the weird thing is my sister was diagnosed uh, with ADHD when she was nine years old with combined type focusing more, I think, on the hyperactive type. So that was my view of ADHD. I didn't consider it in any other format. So when you would say the word ADHD to me then, that's the only thing I think of as her when she was younger and how she is now. I didn't realized that there was actually three types and then I started looking at these symptoms and the things that they were posting and I was like that seems a bit familiar maybe that's a bit familiar and some I don't know there wasn't one particular thing that made me seek a diagnosis I just considered it and I thought there's no harm in me speaking to my GP about it I want to get into the pop culture of it all. Mm -hmm. So we know Channel 4 is producing a documentary about ADHD that's going to be hosted by Sam Thompson, who was on Made in Chelsea. He also hosted uh, Pete and Sam's reality news as well on Channel 4. This, for you, brought up some issues, obviously not just for you, for me too, around uh, ADHD and pop culture and how it's represented and who gets to represent it. So I already knew that this documentary was coming um, just through some people, uh, some contacts that I know. I was a little bit surprised at first because the way that the documentary was sort of made out to be was that it was following his journey in getting a diagnosis uh, because some friends and family thought that he had ADHD. And whilst that's, you know, an interesting angle I already knew, based on the fact that he's been on, you know, Made in Chelsea and and who he is, that it was going to essentially be him getting a private diagnosis and then there's going to be some sort of background information on what ADHD is and blah, blah, blah. And I thought, great, we've seen documentaries like this already. I don't think this is particularly groundbreaking. Mm -hmm. So I went on to Twitter and I was writing a thread which wasn't specifically just about him or his documentary. There was also some other news articles and things that come out even in the few days and weeks prior. And his was just like one tweet amongst many. Anyway, he he saw it and we kind of ended up having this interaction. But ultimately, what I was saying in my thread was that I felt that the representation with how ADHD is being portrayed in the media, specifically documentaries, is a very specific lens. It's Mm -hmm. either 
you know, white or male or privileged. I'm not seeing any diversity whatsoever. Mm. And that's what I was pointing out. I did have uh, another, uh, you know, there's an account that talks about ADHD, who's, who's a black woman. And she said that she was actually interviewed as part of this documentary, which, you know, the thing is, it's like, if you're going to put a couple of scenes in, mm. and then that's as far as you go, and you're not talking about all the ways in which being a black woman or other types of, you know, minority affects your diagnosis, affects how you are with ADHD. Mm. I think it's a massive misstep. And it's just, why are we constantly going for documentaries to be hosted by the very same people who helped define it? With my sister, it took years before she got her diagnosis, even at nine years old, because they refused to accept in a way that she could have it. Mm. But then at the same time, she would have a classmate who was a white boy who would get a diagnosis just like that. So, you know, this has been going on since forever. And I think it's a massive shame that when we have an opportunity now, when it's so popular in the media to be talking about, it's on social media, that we're not using that as an opportunity to have everyone tell their story and we're just going over the same types over and over again. Also, it's boring as well. So boring. And what I hate about these things is that the like the person of color that they have representing all POC experience with neurodiversity, they're one segment and they're there simply to talk about this thing and then they're gone. gone yeah. We should be part of the narrative. And I hate that. I really, I really don't like that in documentaries where you're kind of there to talk about your lived experience that is unique to you and you're merely just like three minutes in an hour long documentary and then you go and then we go back to the protagonist and we're like this is the main narrative this is the main story and on top of that when we're in a situation where people are waiting you know one two three years before they're seen on the NHS like that's the story that needs to be told not the fact that you paid a few thousand quid to get a diagnosis in a week the story may be important to you but it doesn't need to be told yeah you know like I'm not trying to take away from your experience I'm sure that you've had difficulties of course you have but does this need to be platformed or should we actually be talking about the issues that are happening with um, accessing these services especially when you're a minority and you've got all of these barriers pushing you back you know whether that's being black whether that's having other forms of disability or you know and the fact that maybe you will never be able to afford a private diagnosis what about being in poverty like these these shouldn't be just little tiny segments mm. in an hour-long documentary that should be the main documentary and his should be the segment the narrative around adhd feels very focused on white men and boys which is frustrating because when you're not white, it is a struggle to acknowledge you even have ADHD, let alone convince a doctor. I wanted to try and find out why the focus was so skewed. Dr. Sam Hugh is the founder of ADHD Girls and campaigns to raise awareness on neurodivergence. We already know there's a gender bias in diagnosis, you know, because the research on ADHD were done on young schoolboys first, you know, school age children. When you tell your GP you're going for an ADHD diagnosis, they will they will give you this pre-assessment rating scale. And a lot of these don't actually make much sense to women because they weren't actually reflective of the female experience. So there is a gender bias, but there's also a racial bias, ethnicity bias, it's wholly biased, you know. It's basically not suited for the human experience. So since understanding this, you know, I've also come across companies that are doing more 
women-specific rating scales, you know, so masking scales, you know, so adding the cultural lens to the, the diagnosis as well. How do you kind of feel about the fact that because so many people don't have access to actual doctors, they can't pay for a assessment or they can't, um, if the wait list to see the doctor is so long, they just diagnose themselves with what they see online. I think it can be helpful, but I also think it's worrying. I think it's the context, isn't it? Like they do say that you won't purposely go and look for a diagnosis of something that is so stigmatized unless you definitely encounter this. You know, people have said trauma looks a lot like ADHD. How do you disentangle ADHD from trauma? Which one starts first? In order for you to be diagnosed with ADHD, you've got to have had it, you know, before the age of 12. But then trauma can also set in before then. You know, if someone has gone through PTSD, that's post-traumatic stress disorder, they can exhibit ADHD traits too. You know, if someone has had an, if someone has had an accident in their head, a traumatic brain injury, that can also look like ADHD. Whether or not they get a diagnosis also depends on who they see. If they really need it to help them, then it's, it's okay for people to pursue it. But then the first thing they give you when you get diagnosed is ADHD medication. So if you don't have ADHD and you take ADHD medication, you're hyping up your neurotransmitter levels to much higher than you need it to be, you know, and that could be problematic for a lot of people. The process from getting diagnosed all the way through to getting medication is so long. And even find then when you've been prescribed medication, finding something that works for you, it took me a year to find a pattern of ADHD medication that worked for me. And it took me ages to even get to that point. So it's like, I think if you're not really in it or if you don't fully feel like you have it, I don't think it's something that people will continue to maintain all the way to that level because it is a lot. Are there any ways that you feel like pop culture gets it wrong when it comes to portraying neurodivergence on screen? When you have ADHD, it rarely travels alone. There's such a high co-occurrence between, you know, being autistic and then being an ADHD. The percentage of that co-occurrence could be up to 80%. So what happens if you have weak working memory as an ADHD, but also didactic or photographic memory as an autistic, and if you're an ODHD, then you know what does that mean for you? Okay, are you going to let popular culture dictate what you are likely to be like? When we have these um, characters accentuating a certain trait, and that's like almost an exaggeration of what it is like, then people will think that oh, that's it. You know, we're all a little ADHD because we are all a bit like Dory, who forgets things. Let's take a minute, don't go anywhere and don't get distracted. And when we come back, I'll be talking about those pop culture characters that give neurodivergence a bad name. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all. 
jewelry that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love, and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. And we're back. Think of Dory from Finding Nemo, Bart Simpson and Sherlock Holmes. These are the fictional characters that represent the neurodiverse experience on screen. They might be relatable to some, but to others, their representation is problematic. Nat Hawley is a neurodiversity advocate and works at a social enterprise that helps neurodivergent people find work. Do you remember me? Yeah, of course I do. <laughs> um, it was back when we did uh, the volunteering. <laughs> I literally ran into you again on the internet because I saw that you had made this really, really interesting presentation around ADHD and it's how it's represented in pop culture. From that video, what were some of the most kind of accurate representations of ADHD in pop culture that you've seen? Uh, I mean, to say accurate, I don't think any of them did a great job. Ultimately, it creates like a 2D image of quite a complex diagnosis. But I think there were some that showed it quite well. So, for instance, let's take Bart Simpson, for example. Though not a perfect example, he wasn't just disruptive and naughty. He also shows a high level of empathy. He's really intelligent. He's really great at thinking outside of the box. He shows that he's very consistent in his character and doesn't just show the ADHD traits when it seems beneficial for a cheap laugh. The number of passengers equal to half the number of minutes past the hour get off, but three times as many plus six get on. At the second stop, half the passengers... Bart, there are students in this class with a chance to do well. Will you stop bothering them? While he does have negative sides to him as well, ultimately he's quite well-rounded as a character, probably because of the amount of seasons that The Simpsons have done by now, though. And was he actually, like, was there an episode where he is diagnosed with ADD or ADHD? Yeah, there is one episode where he is officially diagnosed, um, but that wasn't until, like, a lot of the the later seasons. So until then, it was just speculation, which kind of makes sense because when it was, uh, was it the 80s when The Simpsons first came around? Yeah. No one really spoke about it, or especially in the US, that's when there was a so-called epidemic of ADHD, where people thought it was about being overdiagnosed. So it has kept quite relevant with the times. Um, so yeah, now he's an official ADHD character. Were there any more kind of good representations of ADHD that you saw on screen that might not necessarily be cartoons, but are actual people? Well, I think to find people who have been diagnosed with ADHD in terms of a character is actually quite rare. It's normally kind of subtle or kind of below the surface. But I've been watching, um, I know a bit late to the game, but I've been watching uh, Modern Family a lot recently. And Phil Dunphy, the the father figure of the series, Mm. I think has on the whole quite a positive idea of ADHD. 
One way they show this is I think he's a, a gym louse. He does trampolining. He's also a realtor. He does like magic. So he has his eye, his mind is really busy, but he's able to put it into very kind of positive directions. And it also adds to his character. Another thing which is quite interesting about Phil is that his son also has the exact same characteristics that he does, which is quite accurate for ADHD because it's hereditary, which means it runs in the family. Hey, Mom, check it out. What are you doing? If I move my head fast enough, it looks like the can is standing still. <laughs> it's totally right. And then were there any kind of inaccurate representations? So people who have ADHD on TV shows, but it's presented in kind of a... Not necessarily an unflattering way, but in a way that doesn't really feel true to what it means to have ADHD. The probably the biggest one when it comes to ones that are inaccurate are people who use it for like a cheap joke. You know, the classic one is, oh, yeah, I think I've got ADHD and AD something. And that's when they just use it as like, oh, ADHD only affects the character when they're talking about ADHD. So an example of that might be in uh, How I Met Your Mother with Barney. You know, they very much, he only happens to have ADHD when it suits the joke. But the rest of the time, it doesn't seem to be an issue or be anything which continues. H's or no? Wow, you were just like the worst student in the world, weren't you? They said I had AD something. Can we have class outside? The other ones which, again, are not particular an exact character, but more of a trope, is like the hyperactive squirrel. You know, when every time there's something shiny, um, any character that kind of goes along those ways. So any squirrel characters, any characters which are kind of like young and naive and excited by everything, any kind of zany professors which are absent-minded and often aren't particularly very considerate. Again, ADHD characteristics are shown as negative. They're shown as rude, as disruptive, and as someone who isn't necessarily based in reality. So there's many, many characters that that could apply to. But again, they only show it as a one dimension and they don't show it as there's many different kind of sides to this story. And what do you feel like the negative representations of ADHD in media mean for people who have ADHD in real life? Like, how do those tropes and those stereotypes affect them? I mean, the reason why they do it is for a cheap laugh, but I think they don't kind of dig in a bit deeper about the kind of consequences. You know, everyone's heard of, say, Bart Simpson, but not everyone's heard of ADHD. But then when they think of ADHD, the first kind of perception they have is of this kind of naughty child in a classroom who is like standing on tables it's always a male they're always white so it definitely contributes to stigma uh, misunderstanding it affects different social uh, perceptions and also the treatment of neurodiverse people one thing that i've noticed quite a lot is that when if you say you have adhd people start talking really fast at with you or they'll try and make kind of a, like a quick joke they'll match their understanding of HD, ADHD, which they've learned from the media, and kind of put it onto you, which is wrong, false, offensive, and it makes you less likely to want to speak to people. Why would I ever want to tell you I have ADHD if I think you're already going to have these preconceived ideas on what it means to be me? Mm-hmm. That's something I found difficult as well. Like, yes, I do talk about having ADHD and I have written about it, but I will hardly bring it up 
unless I absolutely need to, because I genuinely feel quite paralyzed by what it means for how people perceive me or how they treat me um, when they know that I have ADHD. When you kind of think of writers and producers who are making content, TV shows, documentaries about ADHD, what do you think needs to be done to improve how neurodivergent characters are seen on screen? I mean, it's a good question. I think we really need to flesh characters out a bit more, you know, show a three-dimensional image of them, you know, rather than just doing kind of like the quirky, absent-minded individual, you know, kind of like, a SpongeBob or a Dory who's not really present. Yes, show those characteristics, but show there's other sides to it as well. Like most characters, they're only ADHD when it kind of fits the joke or the punchline. But what about the times when ADHD is an advantage or beneficial? We often see ADHD depicted in media when it comes to tablets and how it kind of zombifies you or make you apparently brain dead or zaps you of your personality. But what about the instances when ADHD medication has been advantageous and it's actually allowed you to function and it's given you a very positive outlook? I think it's just about, I'm not saying that we have to like filter TV down to the point where there's no jokes, but just appreciate that those jokes have consequences and they need to be balanced out with the positives as well. Otherwise, it's essentially segregating a large percentage of the population and making them feel like they can't be themselves and it's very much a negative thing. And that's not what neurodiversity is at all. Neurodiversity is a diversity of mind and it's about positives and negatives, just like anything. Yeah, I think what you mentioned about medication is really, really interesting because there's kind of two ways that it's seen. There's one that where you take it and it, you know, it's this thing that numbs you down, gets rid of your personality. You become a shell of yourself and you kind of see a lot of people who are very anti kind of medication and, and big pharma talking about this happening to their children. But then you also kind of have the flip side where medication is like glorified as something that unlocks your brain and you're suddenly able to do all of this stuff and paints medication as this sort of like miracle drug that gets rid of ADHD. But we know ADHD like manifests in so many ways beyond just your ability or inability to concentrate. And I wondered if you kind of had thoughts about the representation of ADHD medication in, in media and if it's actually helpful. To say whether it's post- overly positive or negative, um, I don't think you can really do. But what you can say is that whatever way they paint it, it's extreme. And it's extreme to the point where it's no longer accurate. You know, everyone's used to the negative representations is that you're going to be an underachiever. You're going to be a troublemaker. You're going to probably be a burden on society. But on the flip side, there are positives. Like when you watch films which talk about it being a superpower or films where you can talk really, really fast and like take an information or ones where you have this special interest and you're able to you know, the old thing, you only use 10% of your brain. What about if we can unlock that rest of the brain? And the same people with ADHD and other neurodivergents have that ability. They might sound very positive, but they're not because it gives an unrealistic expectation. You know, a really great example is um, Simone Biles, you know, the Olympian. She has ADHD, absolute powerhouse, has won more medals than you could ever need. Her ADHD is clearly a strength. But what people do not seem to take into consideration is ADHD isn't all about negatives and it all isn't all about strengths. It's about the fluctuation of ability. It's where your body is able to kind of 
distribute their energy where most people will use up a consistent amount of energy throughout the day, mm-hmm. like bit by bit by bit. So by the time it gets to bedtime, they're all good. But those with ADHD might have like a real, real intense power hour, which is an amazing thing, which is a positive, which everybody wants to grab that, that amazing energy. But then they want to have that consistency mm-hmm. all the time. And that burns an individual out. And that led to Simone um, having severe mental health challenges. So it either goes one way, either people have such low expectations of you that they do not even try, or people admire the kind of your unique skill set so heavily that they want to milk it for everything it's worth, and then challenges. It's one of the common things that mental health and being neurodivergent are Mm -hmm. two separate things, but unfortunately they go together like two peas in a pod, because you're having to work extra hard in an environment which just isn't suited for the way you process. Yeah. And it's really interesting because with Simone Biles as well, remember there was a whole scandal around her not being able to compete in the Olympics because they thought that her ADHD medication was an enhancement drug that would give her an unfair advantage above everyone else. And like, it's, and I think so much of that does come from the media that we consume around ADHD medication and the fact that it, it makes you this better person. It makes you more enhanced when actually all ADHD medication does is put me on par with my peers that don't have ADHD. But there is this inherent belief that I take this drug and all of a sudden I become the smartest person in the room and I'm more able and it's giving me an unfair advantage as opposed to it being a leveler. So I think, yeah, that's one of the interesting ways where we see the relationship between the media around ADHD medication and like real life start to start to collide. They say when you first get diagnosed with ADHD, you go through the seven stages of grief for the life that you could have lived. And I think I am only now coming to terms with my diagnosis and accepting my diagnosis. And I think having media that better represents ADHD would help speed up that process massively because beyond the tropes of the 2D hyperactive character or the brainy genius, I want to see an ADHD love story. I want to see an ADHD coming of age drama. I want to see all of the ways that ADHD can manifest. And I also want people that look like me to be in those roles. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. And if you did, then please subscribe and leave me a review. This week's episode was produced by Hattie Moya, sound design by Mao Lasetto, original music by Axel Kukutie, and the executive producer is Maz Ebtaj. See you next Thursday. This is The Guardian. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? 
Go stream something new on Hulu. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.